Well, good morning. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. I'm going to be continuing our series, One Commandment, Learning to Love, where we've been exploring the 10 commandments that were given to the Israelites after they were freed from Egypt. And over the last couple months, we've been learning that these 10 commandments, these 10 rules, are actually given to God, to God, from God to us, to help us learn to love God and love one another. And we've learned that we are to love only the Lord our God, that we are to worship only him, that we aren't to take his name in vain, that we are to honor the Sabbath, honor our father and mother, that we should not murder. Last week, we looked at not committing adultery. Yes, there will be a quiz at the end of this, so I'm helping you out right now. (laughs) Just kidding. Well, maybe, I'm not sure yet. But I do think we should be asking the question, am I living these truths? Am I allowing these lessons to penetrate my heart and actually change the way that I relate to God and to one another? Today, we've come to the eighth commandment, which is found in Exodus 20, 15, and it simply says this, you must not steal. Okay, good. You must not steal. Pretty straightforward, right? And already, I can imagine that some of you might be thinking, I'm good. I don't even need to hear this message today. But I want to encourage you to lean in because I think the Holy Spirit has something for each and every one of us. To steal is to take something from someone else and not have the intention of returning it back to them. Stealing is selfish. And stealing comes at the expense of another person's unwilling expense. Interestingly, did you notice that this commandment is rather open-ended? It's not super specific. I think we should have a little honesty hour right now. How many of you have ever stolen something? You can go ahead and raise your hand. Oh, it's so good to see we have an honest congregation. Now, I'm not suggesting that any of you have gone to Busey Bank and robbed Busey Bank, but I am sure that plenty of you have robbed your little brother's piggy bank. I think most of us can remember a time that we have stolen something or we've contemplated stealing something or we've judged someone else for stealing something. The truth is that theft is all around us. And oftentimes when we think of stealing, we think of the more outward and more obvious forms of stealing. When someone robs a bank or steals a car or breaks into a home, cyber theft, identity theft, perhaps you think of plagiarism. Those are more the socially unacceptable forms of thievery. And in general, I would say that people tend to try to avoid those, right? Right. Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. Right. Okay, good. I'm glad we're on the same page about that. But I do think that many of us are tempted to dabble in what I would like to call the more socially acceptable forms of theft. And I thought it would be fun today to start off with a clip that I thought so beautifully illustrated this from from the famous show Friends. And so a little bit of context here to help us understand this common struggle we face. The two main characters here are Ross and Chandler, and they are staying in a hotel, and Ross is trying to teach Chandler how to get the most out of his hotel stay. So let's watch what happens. What'd you get? USA Today. Nice, put it with the others. (laughs) And I also got two more apples. We're four short of a bushel. (laughs) God, I feel so alive. I love being in the country. Also, got these great salt and pepper shakers from the restaurant. Oh, that's not cool. Dude, none of this is cool. 
Look, Chandler, you, you have to find the line between stealing and, and taking what the hotel owes you. Um, for example, a hair dryer, no, no, no. But shampoos and conditioners, oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> now, the, the salt shaker is off limits, but the salt? <laughs> I wish I'd thought this through. I think I get what you mean, though. Like, the, the lamp is, uh, is the hotels, but the bulbs... Oh, you, you already got that. Not my first time in a hotel, my friend. <laughs> okay, uh, how about this? No, 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 you can't take the remote control. Yes, but the batteries... <laughs> well, we laugh, but this actually hits kind of close to home. This illustration shows us that when it comes to these types of theft, we can often use rationalization to keep our conscience in check, or we tell ourselves stories to make ourselves justified in our behavior. This highlights the grayness of this whole area of stealing and theft. Who defines the line? What is the line? As we think and reflect about stealing, something becomes clear. It's fuzzy. Take work, for example, a common victim of theft. We tell ourselves that no one is hurt by that extra roll of toilet paper we took home. Or we tell ourselves that it really doesn't hurt anybody if we lie on our logged hours. You know, everybody lies on those. Or if we waste time on scroll, you know, scrolling social media throughout the day. How about when it comes to businesses? You know, businesses, oftentimes, they, they do gift you things. Sometimes they'll give you a pen, but you know they don't want you to take their pen if it's attached to one of those little string ball things. <laughs> Terrible. And then you're, like, trying to write, and you can't get it to write. Or how many of you have ever been at a place where they've made the pens into flowers? They, like, wrap them, and they put, like, a huge flower on top, and then you're like, okay, I'm not taking that because that would be too obvious. We've solved this problem here at the Vineyard by stocking the worst pens on the face of the earth. Good luck trying to write with them. Feel free to steal. Um, basically unusable, boom, problem solved. But in these grayer areas of is this stealing, we often rationalize and justify our behavior because we think it's really not that big of a deal. We think everybody does this. Ultimately, we defend our stealing because we can usually find somebody else who's doing it worse on a far grander scale. I mean, isn't real stealing like something that you get fired for or imprisoned for? I think many of us view this area with that perspective. But I want to suggest something today, that all stealing, all stealing is selfish. It's not God's best. Stealing causes damage to us relationally, with one another, and it causes damages in our communities that God has placed us. And this whole journey that we've been on, this journey of love, is learning to relate to both God and to others. And part of that journey is choosing to not steal. Instead, we want to embrace God's antidote to stealing, which is none other than giving. Stealing is selfish, but giving is godly. And giving is going to require a few things from us. It's gonna require us to trust, to trust God's plan and his provision and to refuse to participate in the oh-so-tempting practice of taking things that do not belong to us. I'm gonna invite the Holy Spirit to come and be our teacher today, but I wanna encourage you. I think the Holy Spirit wants to speak something to each of us today. And so I'm gonna pray specifically that you would have ears to hear in this message what's for you, okay? 
Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you to come and to be the teacher, to give us ears to hear what you have for each individual person who's here today. God, you know what we're going through. You know our circumstances. And so we invite you to come and to be the teacher today. In Jesus' name, amen. Stealing causes damage. How many of you have ever been a victim of theft? Would you raise your hand? Okay, many of you. So you already know the damage that can be done through thievery. They've done psychological studies in this area and it's really fascinating what happens. If you experience theft, it psychologically affects you very deeply. People report feeling extremely violated. Their sense of security and safety and well-being is all affected. Physical, um, physical symptoms can actually happen afterwards. You can have anxiety and depression, overeating, undereating, forgetfulness. These are all documented things that can happen when someone is a victim of theft. One time, a couple of months ago, I was at an event and I met a friend, a new friend. She's a pastor in another state. And she was telling me this story that recently, like within the last few weeks, their home in the middle of the night had been broken into. And this was extremely scary to them. They had small children in the home when these intruders came in. And while they didn't steal many physical possessions, they stole her peace and her ability to sleep. And in this conversation, I just realized, oh my goodness, she needs prayer. And because I'm a naturally supernatural person and I know that God wants to bring healing and hope through me, I just said to her, hey, could I pray for you right now? And just a very simple prayer time, we prayed and asked for God's power and presence and healing to come. And later she messaged me and she said, I can't believe it. I mean, I can believe it, but I can't believe it. But that prayer worked and I've been able to sleep ever since we prayed together. And I'm just so grateful that Jesus has the healing power to bring freedom where we've been the victim of theft. But I think we need to be honest. Stealing causes damage. It causes damage to our brothers and sisters. It violates our fellow image bearers. You see, when, when a person chooses to steal, which again, we've said is selfish, what they are doing is they're putting their needs and their wants and their feelings ahead of others, which is a challenge because we're learning to love one another. We're learning to lay down our lives for one another. I think we also should be honest that stealing hurts work and companies and organizations. I read one statistic that blew my mind. It said that employee theft causes employers $50 billion a year. How many employers do you think are affected by this problem? 95%. 95% of employers have the problem of employee theft. That is staggering. If you look at retail theft, just in the United States, they estimate that it is a $100 billion loss every single year. We, you know, we say these numbers and we think we know what they mean. $100 billion is a ginormous number. And I think we need to actually pause here for a moment and say, you know what, we might think, well, that doesn't really affect me. It affects you. It affects you in the cost of things continuing to go up. And at work, it affects you with stricter rules. Stealing causes damage. Stealing is selfish, and we should not do it. Now, hopefully, most of us are not struggling with the more obvious forms of thievery, right? Right, good. I'm glad we're back on the same page. Good, good. But I do think that for most of us, we are rationalizing these grayer areas. 
And one of the areas I think we have to talk about is that there are intangible things that we can steal from one another. Now, we've talked, there are tangible things, but in this whole realm of intangible things, I actually think that many of us struggle in this area. It can be tempting to take credit for someone's great idea at work. It can be tempting to take someone's reputation and smear it if they've wronged you. It can be tempting to steal someone's time, steal their talents, steal you fill in the blank. There are many intangible things that we can steal from one another, and this causes relational damage in addition to a host of other consequences. So stealing, whether it is material or immaterial, is a damaging practice, and the invitation today is to not minimize the sin of theft. God is calling us up to the good life. He wants us to live his order for our lives, and so I think we want to go on a journey of saying to ourselves, why do we steal? What is the lure of stealing? And as I reflected on this, I think that it boils down to this. We all love the idea that we can get something for nothing. Everybody loves a free thing. We love the idea that we can get something for nothing, but here's where it's misguided. Stealing is your gain at someone else's expense. And so it's not something for nothing. It actually causes pain and real damage. And stealing, like murder and contempt, are rooted, or sorry, like murder and adultery, are rooted in contempt for our fellow brothers and sisters. You know, interestingly, I want you to think about when God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments, the Israelites are, are sl- freed slaves. They have nothing. So it, they don't have a ton of possessions, but God knows that In order for them to be a healthy community, they need to embrace this practice of choosing to not steal from one another. He knows that this is what's gonna make them healthy relationally and healthy within their community. In fact, in Exodus 20, that's where we get the 10 commandments. If you kept reading in 20, 21, 22, 23, you know what it is? List after list after list of if you steal this, then this happens. If you steal this, then this happens. You can read it. This is how serious God is about us not choosing to steal from one another. He wants us to rather embrace his ways for our lives. And so the question today is, how are you doing in this area? And before you simply brush it off as, it's not a problem for me, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Allow him to bring clarity to you in this area because we don't wanna succumb to stealing. Rather, we wanna embrace the practice of giving and trust God to care for all of our needs. Okay, let's go to Ephesians 4. This is a a short text from the Apostle Paul, and these are his instructions to us if we are stealing. Okay, this is what it says, Ephesians 4, 28. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Short, sweet, and simple. If you are stealing, stop. If you are stealing little things or big things, material things or immaterial things, the instruction is to stop engaging in that behavior. Stealing is selfish. And when you say yes to Jesus, you no longer need to be selfish because you've been given a new self. When you say yes to Jesus, he makes you whole and perfect and righteous, and you are learning to live in that new identity. And so you don't have to be selfish anymore. You can say, okay, 
God is my father and he's gonna provide everything that I need. And I no longer need to steal from others. You see, what Jesus did for us was actually he returned to us what had been stolen from us. Each of us had something stolen in the garden. When Adam and Eve sinned, the enemy stole our relationship with our father, our identity in Jesus and our destiny. And what Jesus does is he actually returns all of those things back to us. And so we have become recipients of of healing in this whole area of theft. And this is an incredible, incredible truth that we must root our lives in. We need to receive Jesus's love. And when we do this, we will be empowered to embrace his ways. And so the first part of the instructions, stop stealing. But then there's a second part. And I love this because Paul says the word instead. I, th- I like a word like that as a, as a teacher because I think it, it gives us kind of like an emphasis, like, hey, instead of stealing, do this. And what Paul says is two things. One we've kind of talked about a little bit, giving. But there was another one that I think is important that I wanna touch on briefly today. And that is good hard work. The second is generous giving. Okay, let's talk about good hard work for just a minute. Embracing God's plan for your life means embracing good hard work. Did you know that God created you to work? If you go back to the very beginning when God created man, he created us with the purpose of caring for and tending for the earth and the world. We were designed to work. Now, what happened is that sin entered the picture. And when sin entered the picture, there was a curse. And that curse said that men would hate work, that they would toil, that it would be a struggle. And many of us, this is where we live today with work. We see work as anything but a joy. I have good news for you today because that curse was broken by Jesus on the cross and at at the resurrection. Yes, you can clap. Jesus actually took that curse so that we can enjoy work, so that we can love work, so that we can partner with God. Your job is not about you doing the tasks that you're assigned to do. Your job is about partnering with God to bring the kingdom of heaven wherever you go. And what that means is that you get to bring hope. You get to bring peace. You get to bring joy wherever you work. And I know that this is not many people's experiences. I've talked with you. You're frustrated in your job. You just You hate Mondays. You can't wait for Fridays. And I'm telling you that I believe that part of a revelation in this area is that we were designed for work. Work is good. Young people, work is good. Work is good. It is not bad. It's not an evil thing. If if you even read the, the, the studies on retirement, you know, people who retire, a lot of times they're not satisfied. And I think that's because we were ultimately designed for work. If you want to stop stealing, if you want to stop taking what is not yours, part of the equation is good, hard work. It's from God. It's part of his plan. And the second part of this plan is generous giving. Such a fun and joyful part of of this equation that God has given us for healthy habits in our lives. I love this. You know, Giving is godly. Some would even argue that people don't stop being a thief when they stop stealing. They stop being a thief when they start giving. And and I, I think that what we want to do is we want to understand that giving is the currency of the kingdom. I'm gonna say that again. Giving is the currency of the kingdom. We talk about the kingdom a lot around here. What is the kingdom? The kingdom is God's rule and reign. What happened was when Jesus 
came to earth. He brought the kingdom of heaven to earth. That means that the future can happen now. That means that we can experience hope and healing and wholeness in every area of our life. Now, it's not fully here. We like to use a term called already and not yet. That means that we get to experience it, but not fully. That won't happen until Jesus comes back again. But in the kingdom, the currency, the money is giving. Giving is the way that things go and flow in the kingdom. Think about the message of the gospel. It is because God gave his son that we could be set free. This is what Romans 8.32 says, for God has proved his love by giving his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for all of us, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. So you see, God has proved his love for us by giving up his most valuable asset, his son, and he did this freely because he loves us. He loves us and he's not gonna withhold any good thing from us. He is who he says he is. He is trustworthy. And this needs to be a foundational block with which we build our lives around. So our father is a giver and now it's our joy to get to give. This is the antidote to taking. The opposite of taking is giving. And here's the really exciting and also really depressing news. Are you ready? The measure that we use to give to others is the measure that will be used against us. I'm gonna go to Luke 6. This is Luke 6, 38. And these are the words of Jesus. This is what Jesus' instructions. Giving is the currency of the kingdom. This is how things happen. And this is what Jesus says. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Powerful promise and sobering. It's very sobering. Giving is godly and it is God's best plan for us. The world may promote taking, but we wanna operate against the spirit of the world. So where the world says, take, 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 it's yours. Who cares? What's the big deal? No, we are kingdom people and we are following his order and his order is giving. Giving is godly. And so the instructions right here in in Ephesians 4, simple. If you are stealing, stop. Instead, good hard work and generous giving. These are the instructions. Well, we know with each of these commandments, there's actually something deeper going on here. And I think it's important that we dig a little deeper into the meaning behind God's instructions to us. We don't wanna just, again, understand the letter of the law. We wanna understand the heart behind it because our behavior in this area reveals how well we love and know our father and how much we trust his plan for our lives. How we behave reflects what we believe. And so we need to examine our beliefs when it comes to things like money and possessions, ownership and stewardship. It's important to reflect and explore these beliefs because when it comes to stealing, money and possessions are often in the mix. Now, not always. As we've said, there are many immaterial things or intangible things that we can steal, but for a moment, let's look at the connection between our finances and the temptation to steal. Did you know that in the Bible, 2,000 times money and possessions are mentioned? 2,000 times. That is a large, large amount of times. Money affects every single person in this room. 
It affects your families, your lives, where you live, your behavior, and even your health. And yet, most of us do not wanna talk about money. And we definitely don't wanna hear a message on money, but I promise you, I have good news. Because you see, God has a plan provision. God's desire is that each of his kids would live lives in such a way that they would be free and fulfilled, specifically in the area of finances. And so let's go to 2 Corinthians now. I wanna read an incredible promise that Paul records for us. If I could get there. 2 Corinthians is always kind of hard because it's like one of those shorter books. So this is 2 Corinthians 8, 9. And I want you to listen to this promise. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Wow. Thank you, God. You see, our God is a giver. It's who he is. He's generous. And he's not just generous with finances. He is generous with finances, but he's generous in all areas of our lives, with our health, with our relationships, with our gifts. He's generous in every single area. And yet many of us don't experience this. We feel like these words, they sound good, but it's not necessarily how we've experienced it. I wanna tell you today that this is truth. Our father is generous, he is a giver. And what I love about this language is it really ties into this idea that not only is our father a giver, that he empowers us to be givers. He gives us so much, there's extra, so much that we can then turn around and share with others. This is the life we're called to. This is what godly giving looks like. And so I wanna do a little exercise for a moment. I want you to lean back in your chair. If you're watching online, you can also lean back, but if you're listening later and driving, don't close your eyes. (laughs) Everyone can close their eyes here and take a deep breath. Just let your body relax. And I'm going to help you paint a picture. I want you to imagine that you have no financial stress. Your shame is gone. Your bills are paid. You're not tempted to steal. You have the freedom to enjoy life and you give generously. You get to bless others whenever and wherever the spirit moves you. You don't have to be selfish. Instead, you get to give as much as you want. God is providing everything you need and there is plenty left over to share. Allow that picture to permeate your soul. You can go ahead and open your eyes. The wonderful fact is that life that you just imagined is available to every single person, no matter your income and no matter your social status. It requires two things. Are you ready? Trust in God and following his plan for provision in our lives. So let's first talk about trusting God. The first step in in having that life that you just imagined is putting your full trust in Jesus, is believing and receiving Jesus. And in that, he makes us new. We want to then nurture that relationship of trust. So we're gonna lean into love. This whole thing, the whole 10 commandments, it's all about learning to love. Love must be learned. 
And what often happens when it comes to provision in our life, whether that's financial or relational or health, we want to make things transactional with our Father. We need to resist the temptation for formulas and we need to lean in to the gift of faith. This is your father who you're dealing with, who loves you, who longs to give you the things that your heart desires. And so we want to resist that formula and lean in to faith. And this means that we need to talk to him. We're his beloved kids. He wants to speak truth to us. He wants to bring correction and wholeness and hope. And the amazing thing is his love, when we receive his love, it becomes fuel, fuel for us to relate back to him and fuel for us to relate to others around us. So the very first step is that we put our trust in God. The second is that we commit to following God's plan for provision. And that actually starts with Psalm 24, one. This is what that verse says. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. You see, we believe that the earth and everything in it is the Lord's. He is the owner, people and land and possessions. Everything belongs to the Lord. We, his kids, we are his stewards. And when we understand this, that God is the owner and we are the stewards, we can better understand God's financial plan. What is God's financial plan? It also has two parts. It has generosity and stewardship. I want you to imagine like two legs on a human. God's plan has two legs. I can stand on one leg for a while. Not great. But if I wanna go somewhere fast, I need both my legs. And it's the same with God's plan for us. We need both generosity and stewardship to follow God's plan for provision. What is generosity? Generosity is being ready and willing to part with whatever you have, resources, time, skills, talents. It's allowing yourself to be a giver and not a taker. What is stewardship? Stewardship is taking care of the assets that God has given you. Stewardship is consistently living within your means. Oftentimes, I'll talk to people who tell me, I really wanna be more generous. I wanna be a giver. I know that's what God wants me to, but I, my, I can't, I don't have any money. Ah, it's always a sign to me that you don't fully understand God's plan for provision. We have an amazing free class here called Kingdom Finance. It's all online. We, we are committed to helping you understand God's plan for provision because it's God's best for you. He wants to help you in this area because what happens is when we get confused about provision in our lives, we're tempted to take what is not ours. And God wants to keep us from that. Stealing is wrong, not only because it relationally violates people, it actually violates God's plan for provision. God is the owner. We are the stewards. When we steal, we are stealing from both God and man. I believe that there is an invitation today to say no to that. Instead, to trust God and to follow his plan for provision. And that is going to help us stop being tempted to steal if that is an issue that we're facing. But the good news is this, God doesn't just have a plan for your money because I think this same type of similar thinking, a lack of abundance thinking, keeps us in a place where we're tempted to steal those immaterial things from one another. God has a plan for your whole life. He wants there to be wholeness and hope in every single area of your life. And as the creator of everything, including us, it all belongs to him. He leaves care in our assets, our care. He leaves in our care assets, right? We have time and talents and relationships and yes, money. Selfishness will have us plotting and scheming to look out for ourselves and our assets. 
We may be tempted to take from others, but let's refuse to be takers. I wanna encourage each of us today, let's not take from our employer, let's trust God and his plan. Let's not take from one another, whether that's we're stealing the credit or or we're, we're stealing people's time. Instead, let's give generously to those that we do life with. I believe that there's an invitation today to embrace God's good plan. And it is this, he's gonna generously provide all that we need and there's gonna be plenty left over for others. We're gonna trust him and embrace his plan for provision. And that's gonna empower us to say no to taking and yes to giving. Stealing is selfish, but giving is godly. In a world that says, let's be takers, let's be givers. I'm gonna pray and invite the Holy Spirit. And then we're gonna do some worship and some ministry. So Holy Spirit, we need you to help us live out this truth. And so we just say, come Holy Spirit. God, break off shame, break off confusion. Thank you that you're dealing with each of us so personally in this area. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. What do you want for each of us in this moment? And now as we transition into worship, God, we just wanna turn our attention and our affection towards you. We wanna give you our hearts. And so we say, come Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen.